Mary Cameron was born in Portobello in 1865, though we don't know exactly where. Although she travelled extensively in Europe throughout her relatively short life, she always returned to her base in Edinburgh. She started as a portraitist, but on the evidence of this exhibition, she wasn't afraid to tackle any subject and tackle it brilliantly well. She drew a lot of inspiration from the culture, people and scenery of Spain, a country she travelled to regularly after 1900, but back at home she struggled, like many women artists of the time, both to be recognised and to succeed against the prejudices of the day, as I heard from curator Dr Helen Scott. When she was a young woman in the 1870s, 1880s, it was, I guess, considered acceptable for women to pursue the ladylike pursuit of watercolour painting, perhaps uh, botanical paintings, things like that, as a, a hobby. But it wasn't universally acceptable for them to become professional artists, certainly not in the way that Mary Cameron wanted to do. She was very lucky in that she was supported to quite an extent by her family, particularly her father, seemed to have been very supportive of her decision to become a professional artist. That's a very enlightened view for that time. It is, actually. And it's interesting that her sister, Flora, also had what was really quite a liberal upbringing, considering the times she went on to be a newspaper editor as well. But Cameron was was interesting in that she was absolutely focused on becoming an artist. Luckily, as I say, she had some support from her family in that regard, but women at the time really had to, to fight to, to be recognised, certainly with anything like equality to their male counterparts. She studied at the Trustees Academy in Edinburgh, but it Sorry, was... Sorry, what, what's that? The Trustees Academy was based on the mound. It was the main training facility for artists in Edinburgh at that particular time, so a kind of precursor to Edinburgh College of Art. Cameron studied there for a number of years, but women weren't allowed the same extent of training as men were at that time. So, for instance, they weren't given access to life classes where you would study the nude. And this was really seen as the the best way to understand human anatomy. But at the time, it was seen as um, morally unacceptable for women to actually attend these classes at all. So they had to look for other opportunities to broaden their, their understanding as artists. So I think this is one of the reasons that she went off to Paris to advance her training, basically. There was more of a, uh, a liberal framework for women artists in Paris at that time. And, and it was a real magnet for any artist, regardless of their gender. So it, it was exciting. It was an exciting place for her to be studying. Yeah, the Belle Epoque in France was really... It, it produced a huge number of some of the most famous artists we know today. Yes, absolutely. And for any young artist to get away from home, to move over to Paris, to study like she did at the Académie Colorossi, which was quite liberal and forward-thinking, and to be surrounded by the museums and galleries and cutting-edge art at that point would have been incredibly exciting. But again, that takes you back to the support of her family, because how many young women of the time would actually go off to study in Paris? Yes, she was very lucky that obviously she was brought up in fairly affluent circumstances and her father in particular was well, seemed to have been happy to, to fund her training and her travels. At around about the same time that she went to Paris, she was also travelling around other bits of Europe and again, you know, she was fortunate that she had the, the funding to be able to do that where many other women wouldn't have been able to follow that path. You know, one of her great loves turned out to be Spain. 
Yes, Spain was somewhere that she visited for the first time in about 1900. She said later in an interview that she had intended to go there to study the work of Diego Velázquez, the 17th century Spanish painter who was incredibly popular in Britain at that time. So she went to the Prado Museum and saw some of his works, his court paintings, and produced very accurate copies of them, which was a fairly common practice for artists to do. In doing so, she was able to better understand some of the painterly techniques of that artist in terms of his use of colour, the contrasts of light that he used, as well as the, the brushwork and the kind of formal compositions that he adopted. And she, she took these lessons and then incorporated them into her own work back in Scotland. That's particularly noticeable in one of the biggest paintings that's actually in this particular exhibition. Absolutely. Mrs Blair and her Borzois was probably one of the most famous artworks that she painted during her career. Yeah, that's her sister. It's a portrait of her sister Flora, um, accompanied by two Russian wolfhounds. It's an enormous canvas. It measures almost two metres by two metres. And it's incredibly accomplished and ambitious, really, for, for any artist to produce such a piece. Yeah, the amount of detail that's in it is really incredible. Yes, I think you get a lovely sense of the different textures of the portrait, the the fur of the dogs, or the really beautiful, elegant clothing that her sister is wearing in the piece. Let's go back to Spain, because you have a number of her Spanish compositions on show here, particularly those which are showing landscapes of Spain. Yes, as well as, as I say, being interested in 17th century Spanish art, she was also... I guess really captivated by the country itself and she was interested in the the culture and customs of the people but also the Spanish landscape. She spent time both in Madrid and in Seville over the next few years from 1900 onwards and she also went out into the countryside to places like Segovia. She was really interested in the architecture there and also the, the landscape surrounding this ancient town that she'd been encouraged to visit for the first time by her friend who was a contemporary Spanish painter called Ignacio Zuluaga. Within that, she also found individuals to paint with the background of Spain behind them. She didn't produce that many paintings that were simply landscapes on their own. They were often populated by local people who she met. She had real attention to detail in terms of capturing the character of people. So she used real models that she met, basically, on her travels. In around about 1907, 1908, she painted a number of scenes of beggars on roadsides, travellers on country roads in this part of Spain. And she quite often used the landscape around Segovia as the backdrop to these pieces, which, although they're painted in a realist style, have a very sort of strange sense of kind of staged artifice behind them as well, almost as if they're, they're tableaus with the figures in a very shallow foreground space with the landscape extending out behind them. She was quite a controversial figure because she also painted scenes from bullfighting, both in the ring itself and behind the scenes in quite a graphic way. Yes, she attended her first bullfight in 1900, so on her first trip to Madrid. And this at the time would have been quite a common thing for British tourists to Spain to do. But it had quite a a strong impact on her. She was a very strong horse lover and was, I think, really horrified by the, the treatment, particularly of the horses within the bullring. So normally you would think of the, the bullring as somewhere uh, where you have the, the bull and the matador, but instead she was actually very interested in the picadors 
and as I say, the treatment of horses. She painted a number of scenes showing in quite graphic detail the, the suffering of these animals and the cruelty that they endured. And these works really divided critics. Some people were very impressed by the honesty and the frankness of her approach in the way that she was showing um, this sort of activity. And yet other critics were, were simply horrified by the brutality of it, by the, the blood and guts that she was depicting in a very uncompromising way. I think a lot of the, the outrage that was sparked was actually because she was a woman. I don't think there would have been quite so much of a backlash if it had been a male artist painting the same sort of scenes. She was even asked to withdraw one from exhibition here in Edinburgh. Yes, this was a painting that she wanted to show at the Royal Scottish Academy in 1901 at their annual exhibition. And she received a letter from the secretary of the RSA, George Hay, asking her to actually withdraw this painting that she was hoping to have submitted and to exchange another one in its place. There's no specific reason given in the letter, but it's most likely that it was because of the the graphic nature of this painting. Now, she was very well known and very well exhibited during her lifetime. Just how extensive was that? Well, she exhibited almost on an annual basis at the RSA, the Royal Scottish Academy, from very early on in her career. She also exhibited in London at the Royal Academy there, at the Salon in Paris. She was often covered in the press, both on a national level and international level, as far away as um, newspapers in the United States would cover her work. And she was well respected by other artists of the time as well, and, and curators and art historians. So what went wrong? Mm. Because almost everybody today has no idea that she even existed. I think Mary Cameron suffered from the same sort of fate as many women artists of her generation, to be honest, working in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. When you think of Scottish art of that period, you tend to think of the men. You think of the Glasgow boys. You think of the Scottish colourists. And yet there were all sorts of women who were working at that time who were producing really interesting, really strong art, Some of them, like Cameron, were well-known during their lifetimes, but in the the decades since their deaths, their legacies have been eclipsed, really, by their better-known male counterparts. And I think that's very much what has happened to Cameron, that she was well-known during her lifetime. She was producing large volumes of work and showing them in solo exhibitions, which, you know, getting a solo exhibition for a woman at that time was a feat in itself. And yet... Very little of her works went into public collections. I think that's another of the main reasons that she has been sort of forgotten since then. So how difficult was it actually to put this exhibition together? It was quite a challenge in many ways because because there are very few works in public collections by her. There's nothing in the collections of the National Galleries of Scotland, for instance. The City Arts Centre had five works in its own collection, so I was aware of her already before this exhibition. But the vast majority of artworks have actually been gathered from private collections where most of her artworks are are now held. And most of them have gone down generations as well in the years since her death. So although they're admired and enjoyed by small numbers of people, this is the first time in in over 100 years that so many of her works are being shown in public for the first time. Sadly, her final years were... well, she appears almost to have burnt out, and she was in, in poor health as well. Yes, absolutely. In around about 1913, she had just had her fourth solo exhibition, and her career could have continued to, to ascend. 
But instead, she'd been painting with such vigour for such a long time that, as you say, she kind of burnt herself out. She was promoting her work extensively. She was painting a great deal and painting on a large scale. Normally, in that sort of circumstance, she would have gone abroad and sort of refreshed herself with new inspiration. But with the advent of the First World War, she wasn't able to travel to Europe in the way that she had done in previous decades. And sadly, her health went into decline. She had an unhappy marriage at that point and very much didn't produce new work from around about 1916 or so onwards. And she died a number of years later in 1921. Mary Cameron died at the relatively young age of 56 and then faded from public view until now. The exhibition, Mary Cameron, Life in Paint, is on at the City Arts Centre until the 15th of March.